listening to Life Sparring as we get ready for our next exciting fight. In the blue corner, trying once again to improve on last week's results, your host, Fabian Gruber. This week is another solo act as he shows just what he can achieve in the shadow boxing ring. This is Life Sparring Round 9. Fight. Welcome to another shadow boxing round of the Life Sparring Podcast. If you are not listening in for the first time, you know that shadow boxing rounds are episodes where I go solo. There's no interview guest, so I usually share what I'm up to, or as Clean Bandit would say, with the help of the powerful Demi Lovato. I wanna whoop, 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 but I'm broken hearted. Cry, 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 but I like to party. Touch, 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 but I got nobody here on my own. I wanna whoop, 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 but I'm broken hearted. Cry, 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 since the day we parted. Touch, 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 but I got nobody, so I do it solo. Solo, solo, everybody. The solo, solo, everybody. The solo, solo, everybody. I do it solo. The solo, solo, everybody. The solo, solo, everybody. The solo, solo, everybody. So I do it solo. Yeah, I'm afraid I've done it again. I butchered just another contemporary pop song. You may wonder why. Well, originally it started out as a joke and somewhat also as a dare. When I sang in the first solo episode, round three, I just wanted to do something funny to make the show a bit more entertaining. And at the same time, I challenged myself. After being at odds with my voice since puberty, I thought the ultimate challenge is not just to hear myself talking, but also to hear myself singing. Now, as the Dogecoin shows powerfully these days, some jokes can get a life of their own. So recently, a friend of mine told me, that his 10-year-old daughter by accident found my podcast on the family Spotify account. She provided some valuable feedback, namely that she thinks that I talk way too much, but that she actually likes the singing. So I guess I have to turn this uh, singing now into a running gag. Who am I to disappoint a fan? So this song today was dedicated to you, Leila. With the singing out of the way, let's go straight into what's new and poppin', the segment where I talk about what I'm currently obsessing about. First up, there's the aura ring. I mentioned that I was considering to get an aura in round 7 of the podcast to add measuring body temperature to the metrics I'm collecting through wearables. I didn't mull long over it and pulled the trigger. Yeah, I literally put a ring on it. Kudos to Aura's fulfillment. I ordered my ring on Sunday. By Wednesday lunchtime in Hong Kong, I had the aura ring sizing kit in my office. Apparently my index finger is a perfect 10. After wearing the plastic sizing dummy for the afternoon and throughout a gym workout, I confirmed the sizing online on the way home. And on Friday by lunch, I had the actual ring in Heritage Silver delivered by DHL. I also got surprisingly fast used to sporting the additional silverware. And you can even find some bling bling shots on my Instagram. On Instagram, I'm at lifesparing without the hyphen there. The ring fits snug, but it's lighter than my wedding band, so I'm barely aware of it after wearing it for two weeks. The Aura Ring communicates via Bluetooth to the Aura app on my iPhone. Data in the app is grouped around three main areas, readiness, sleep, and activity. There's an additional home screen that spots features, summaries, highlights, and a lot of calls for specific actions, like getting ready for bed. One major difference between Aura and Garmin is that Garmin Connect is quite neutrally reporting data, where Aura is actively trying to nudge you into the right direction, like some behavior changes. 
Garmin simply says your body battery is 100%. Aura says your readiness score is 90% and today is a great day to challenge yourself and go after some record. Aura measures heart rate, heart rate variability, respiratory rate, body temperature and steps. Workouts are imported from my Garmin Phoenix 6 um, via Apple Health. They also recognize some workouts by themselves, but usually the imports are better. Overall, Aura and Garmin align much better than I expected. I was kind of expecting that Aura would possibly have better sleep data, but even the sleep curves in both apps are virtually identical. On the readiness tab in the Aura app, you see a timeline of the readiness score and the resting heart rate. Resting heart rate is one of the metrics that actually differs in the Aura app significantly from Garmin, but this is not due to different measurements, but simply due to both companies using different definition. While Garmin is taking the average heart rate during sleep as resting heart rate, Aura takes the lowest value of the night. Keeping this difference in mind, both align quite well. Below the timeline on the readiness tab of the Aura are the resting heart rate, the body temperature, the heart rate variability and the respiratory rate. Unfortunately, body temperature is just shown as a differential to the base temperature. Unfortunately, the base temperature itself is not shown anywhere. So I just know if I was on a given day hotter or colder than my average values. To be honest, knowing that the Aura Ring takes continuous skin temperature measurements from the bottom of my index finger, I was hoping to get a curve of the actual skin temperature or even a core temperature estimate out of the device. Like this, it's a bit disappointing. The hardware variability in contrast is shown as average absolute value. Here I have to invest a bit more time to get into the details and understand the value better. My average of 72 milliseconds seems to be quite low. I was hoping for something around 100. The readiness dashboard is broken down into eight contributors, a bit different from Garmin where you just get your body battery score. I would assume though that body battery and readiness calculated in similar ways at the end Both companies use some first beat algorithm at the bottom of the readiness tab to timeline plots of heart rate and HRV during last night's sleep. The sleep tab in the Aura app has some overlap in data with the readiness, but focuses more on the sleep metrics. One that I haven't seen displayed like this is sleep latency, basically the time that it takes you to fall asleep. Quite interesting. I'm always around five to 10 minutes. Aura nudges you towards a regular sleep cycle, you will score low on timing if you go to bed past your usual bedtime. As mentioned previously, sleep analytics were surprisingly closely aligned with some garments values, including the sleep phases, etc. On the activity tab, you can find your goal progress. Aura sets you a daily activity calorie target goal based on your readiness score. You can also find an estimate for your calorie burn there and the step count. The step count is generally in a range of around plus minus 10% of garments measurement. The difference is surprisingly bigger than with other metrics. So the HRV metrics and heart rate metrics are actually much closer aligned. One metric that Aura emphasizes a lot and nudges you constantly about is inactive time. Aura wants you to stay active during the day and stay ideally below eight hours of inactive time per day. Nearly impossible to achieve if your job is in management of an e-commerce company and your hobbies are blogging and podcasting. Anyway, I try my best to at least make some more trips to the water cooler over the day. If after a bit more than two weeks of wearing the Aura Ring, I would have to give you a verdict, I would say Aura is a great device, especially if you want to improve your general health and if you need a friendly nudge now and then. 
The form factor makes wearing the Aura 24-7 quite easily. You will barely feel it. And the metrics are very detailed and backed up with a lot of research available through Aura's great website. If you already have a recent Garmin watch though, and you are fine wearing it during your sleep, you probably don't need the Aura. What else is popping these days? For whatever reason, I really enjoy running. I've always been a runner since teenage years, but except for a period 2017-2018 when I was training for a half marathon, I never run this regularly over such a long time. In the past two months, I managed to run more than 100 km each, and I'm on course to run and hike more than 1,000 km in 2021. That would be a new personal record. If you listen to round 8 of the Life Sparing Podcast on OKRs, Objectives and Key Results, you know that running 1,000 kilometers would be a bad goal, as it is an output and not an outcome metric. Instead, my goal is to run the fastest 10k time in about 15 years as one of the key results to my achieve peak shape objective. As you can hear, I'm still obsessing over OKRs and I'm trying to use the framework to achieve my goals in three areas, fitness and health, personal branding, and becoming a renaissance man meaning acquiring new skills. I'm sure I will share occasional updates on this venture. So far, I'm quite confident that I'm progressing in all three areas. And yeah, I must say for me personally, the podcast and the blog that I did on this topic really was helpful. Talking about goals, I'm also progressing on my reading challenge to complete 24 books this year, which brings us right into our next segment, Food for Thought. As usually, I share what I just finished reading and what I thought of it. After reading a huge novel in March, it was back to business in April with two no-nonsense non-fiction books. First up, Clayton M. Christensen's Competing Against Luck, The Story of Innovation and Customer Choice. Clayton Christensen was an Harvard economist mostly known for popularizing the concept of disruptive innovation. Christensen passed away in January 2020 due to complications related to leukemia. He was 67 years old. Competing Against Luck was published in 2016 and is one of these business books that focus on a single idea and then use the rest of the book to drive it home. This kind of books can be quite repetitive and it's very tempting to just read a book summary instead. But my own experience trying out Blinkist some years back, a service providing book summaries, showed that for me it just doesn't work that well. I guess I might just need the repetition of a book to retain the concept. The main concept of competing against luck is the jobs to be done framework. Jobs to be done or job theory is a way to look at uh, competing products through the lens of the job that the products serve uh, for a customer. As Christensen defined it, a job is the progress that a person is trying to make in a particular circumstance. This view goes beyond the pure use case of the product. It involves multiple dimensions such as social and emotional dimension. A good example from the book was a fast food chain that did some research on the milkshakes that they were serving. And through market research, they found out that their milkshakes served very different jobs. In the morning, they helped shortening the car commute of office workers without distracting the driver too much. And in the late afternoon, they served more the job of providing an afternoon snack for kids that just got picked up from school without making the dad feel too guilty about buying a fast food item. These are two very different jobs for the same product. 
And for the company, of course, that is a challenge in marketing the product and also in designing the product for these two different jobs and the different customers. Job theory is not new and the book is definitely repetitive. But if you work in a role related to designing or marketing products or services, understanding job theory is definitely worth the time you invest in reading the book. Clayton Christensen surely believed that the jobs to be done explained more often than not why some innovations succeeded and others didn't. And he was pretty much a legend in the field of innovation. The second book I read in March was Laura Huang's Edge, Turning Adversity into Advantage. Huang, just like Christensen, is a bestseller writing Harvard professor. However, Huang's Edge is more the other type of business book, the one that does not derive just around a single concept, but comes at you with a rather broad wave of advice. Laura Huang believes that you need to enrich, delight, guide, and effort to gain an edge. So yeah, that's an acronym. And that also illustrates a little bit what um, I think is wrong with the book. It's just a bit cheesy. Huang introduces 13 principles, which she illustrates with a lot of personal experience that some people might find charming. I personally found this story is mostly annoying. I mean, it's great that Huang once met Elon Musk, who wanted to end a scheduled meeting after less than a minute, but she found a way to delight him and to turn the meeting around. So the main theme of Edge is to be aware of people's perception of you and then turning this awareness into an advantage for your career, your business, or your mission. There are definitely some interesting points in the book, but overall I found just not enough novel ideas in the whole book to put up with Huang's some personal examples. The book was a bestseller and quite well received, so I'm pretty sure that some other people have a different opinion, but yeah, I really didn't like the book. And with this being said, I think we are at the end of Food for Thought for this time, as there was not really a remarkable article that I found worth sharing this month. Maybe there will be an article next month. There will be definitely some interesting books, because with Michael Lewis' new book, The Premonition, A Pandemic Story, and Daniel Kahneman's book, Noise, there are two really highly anticipated releases in May. Both books I have pre-ordered. I would always pre-order books from both of those authors. And I'm definitely planning to dive in right away as soon as they are downloaded. How about you? Do you have any authors that you pre-order by default? Or do you have any reading tips to share for the summer? Or do you have any other feedback? Just shoot me a message or leave a voice message on our website. As you see with the example from earlier in today's show, I take feedback very serious. As for what you can expect in the next interview round of Life Sparring, I have no idea. I'm working to convince a few very interesting podcast guests, all very different and very good in their own domain. But yeah, it's a grind. Not everybody jumps immediately on a podcast with me. Sometimes it takes a bit of time to convince them. I have something lined up for June that's going to be a bit of an experiment and very, very interesting. But yeah, I'm not going to say much about this. As for May, let's see. This was Life Sparring Round 9, Shadowboxing April 2021. With me, your lonely host, Fabian Gruber. Life Sparring is produced by Thomas Latter. Intro and outro beat are by Makesi Producer. More info about Life Sparring and this episode, including all links, gadgets, resources mentioned in the show, you can find at lifesparring.com slash podcast. Life Sparring with a hyphen. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a like wherever you are getting your podcast from. 
I hope you join us again for the next round of Life Sparing. Until then, stay healthy, keep your hands up, and protect yourself at all times.